Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is uh, episode 37. My name is Amon Reyna, I'm an investment coach here at Sage Investors. And today's episode is really dedicated to the Canadian crowd because I'm talking about some uh, changes in the investing uh, environment uh, that impacts really Canadian, invest Canadian investing environment, not so much. So if you're in the US and you're watching this, you're going probably going to be glazing over a lot of this. So uh, it might, might be a lot for you today, but it, it might be some good information that you want to talk about uh, from a transparency and a fee perspective. So anyway, I want to talk to you about CRM2. You probably heard this buzzword if you're if you're you know from your advisor or you've heard it from other uh, banks or anything like that. CRM2 is a set of disclosures now that have been instituted that came into effect actually last week, and it basically requires mandates now that financial companies, specifically like companies that sell mutual funds or investment products type thing, uh, to have to disclose um, clearly when they send out your uh, annual you know financial statements, uh, statements to investors or quarterly statements, they have to disclose now how much. Uh, two things. Basically, I have to disclose in plain English how much you as an investor have had to pay in fees uh, to own specific investment products, as well as also fees that your advisor has earned from selling you these particular investment products. So that's one side of it. And because historically, a lot of that stuff has just kind of been buried in like numbers and you know prospectuses and it's, you've had to it's been really hard it hasn't been very transparent uh, as an investor to find out how much fees you're paying second thing that you have to disclose now is performance they have to disclose in plain you know plain language how effectively your your investments have been performing both uh, individually and collectively in your portfolio so there's some standards now in how those elements have to be described so it's got created a lot of hand-wringing in the financial services industry they've you know, pretty much been against it and think it's they don't want to do it and they haven't want to do it, but now they've been mandated to do that. And uh, from a lot of people, you know, in the investment com in the community, the personal finance community think this is a really good thing because now we're going to get some transparency and a lot of the things that have kind of been buried in opaqueness are now going to get opened up. So that's a good thing. So what are the impacts? What are the potential impacts of this type of CRM2 on the investing climate? Is it going to change a lot of the way in terms of how the financial services industry discloses and uh, you know, it deals with the relationships that they have with, 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 with investors and clients? So I kind of wrote a blog about this actually over a year or so ago talking about potentially what could happen from this. So a lot of this is I'm kind of, if you go on my website, you can, you can read the, the blog that I posted on it. But I thought I'd just share with you what I think is going to happen, the impacts of this uh, CRM2 thing, because it's a big deal. I think it is a big deal. It's going to impact uh, investors. So the way I look at it is what potentially could happen. Um, what could happen? What's the impact of this right away? Well, as soon as people find out how much they're paying uh, in fees, and especially here in Canada, because we're talking about mutual funds that charge 2 to 4 to 5% in expense costs, um, you know, that's a significant chunk of cash that's taken out of your portfolio every year. And if you're doing that over a 10, 20, 30 year period, that's a lot of money that's going out of your pocket and into a financial services company's pocket. And that's just not cool. So when people are starting to see, when they, people see on their statements in plain English that this is what they're paying, um, and historically, most investors probably don't even think we're, they're paying any fees. They're just putting money into a mutual fund or a, or a, or a stock or something and not paying any transaction costs because they don't see that number. Once you see that number now, it's going to create a lot of shock. It's probably it's going to be sticker shock for a lot of people. And uh, they're not going to take it. And chances are there's going to be a, a good chunk of people that are just going to say, I'm done with you talking to your advisor. I'm done with you. I'm going to go somewhere else that's going to give me a better deal and charge me a more reasonable rate. 
So that's what we've seen. Now, in other countries, specifically uh, in Australia and Great Britain, they've implemented a similar type of uh, regulatory requirement, and the impacts have been profound. In Australia, when they implemented this type of CRM2 kind of uh, provision, they saw ETF sales like just explode, literally doubled um, overnight. And uh, because people know now, why am I putting money into a high expensive mutual fund when I can do put a, uh, my money into a similar product that's going to charge me instead of 2%, it's going to charge me like 0.25%. Big impact. In Great Britain, they implemented a similar thing and they saw a drop in, the, in terms of high costly uh, investment products go down and money going into ETFs and uh, passively managed kind of portfolios. So that's probably what's going to happen. Um, you know, when you're looking at it from, a, from, from that perspective. But then I look at other things that um, that's going to happen at a certain level, but then what's really going to happen, I think, are the real impacts of this thing is, you know, as much as uh, people are saying people are just going to leave their advisor and switch teams and leave their bank and go somewhere else, this is in Canada. In Canada, we're Canadians. We're, we're pretty stable kind of people in the sense that we don't like to kind of rock the boat a little bit and, and, and move around and you know, shop around kind of thing. Once we're embedded, especially this is how, especially when it comes to when we deal with banks, once we're entrenched in a bank, chances are we're going to stay there for 10, 20 years. I'm, I can say myself, I've, I've been in the same bank since I was, like my first bank account, I opened it up when I was like 15 years old and I'm still with that same bank and I do my, all my mortgage and I do all my investing and my, uh, a good chunk of it, I still, I do it through that same bank because it's just convenience. It's just like, ah, I don't want to go there. I don't want to move around. I don't want to go through the hassle and the paperwork and of just doing that stuff. So people get very, you know, a lot of inertia. So I wouldn't be surprised, like as much as people saying people are just going to leave their advisor, I wouldn't be surprised if a good, like, good chunk of people just stick around. The second thing is like the extent of people moving uh, advisors or changing products or things like that is going to depend on the market. If we're in a bull market while a lot of this stuff is starting to be implemented, then chances are I think people are just going to be more than happy to stick around. But if the changes that get implemented, it get implemented within a bear market or a really depressed kind of market, I think then you're going to probably see a lot more movement of people uh, changing advisors and changing uh, services. Um, one thing you're going to start seeing in the financial services, and we're seeing it right now, and I'm seeing it in spades, is this whole, you're going to see a lot of rebranding of financial products away from these high-cost mutual fund kind of actively managed products. That doesn't mean they're going to stop doing that, but they're just going to rebrand it, repackage it into another format. And that most format that's probably going to be more you're going to see is into ETF, into the ETF model. You're probably going to see more actively managed ETFs. They're going to charge higher uh, MERs, charge higher expense ratios uh, compared to maybe less than what a traditional mutual fund is, but they're going to be higher uh, nonetheless because, as I said, Financial companies are in business, they're there to make money, and so they have to find margin somewhere. And so that's probably, you're going to see some rebranding. Second thing you're going to see is you're going to probably see a lot of financial advisors just get out of the business and start selling other types of product, investment financial products like insurance, life insurance, property insurance. Um, it's happening already. A lot of companies have, uh, a lot of, I'm hearing stories of advisors who've just basically given up their license and are just saying, you know what, I'm just going to hang up a shingle and just sell insurance products because insurance is not covered under the CRM2 um, provision. So, and in that, you can charge, you can do anything you want, you can disclose anything you want as, a, as an advisor. It's pretty much free reign there. So, you're probably going to see a lot more insurance products being pushed out there. Um, 
a thing we're probably going to see also is probably in the last is that CRM2, even though it's officially kicked in, you're probably not going to see the first set of uh, financial statements and reports going out to customers, to clients, really not going out until probably early next year. And what's going to happen, and this is what some people I've talked to within the industry have said, there's probably in the last probably four or five months, there's been a heck of a lot of churning going on. You've probably seen a lot of advisors just knowing that this disclosure is going to have to come in, just getting their clients out of uh, various, uh, getting their clients into a, into more expensive uh, mutual fund products. Basically, just kind of slip it in under everything before the provisions kick in, and so just it's kind of like the last gasp of grabbing as much commission as they can and pushing people into products, uh, higher priced products. Wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of churning go or has seen a lot of uh, churning going on. Um, a bigger impact that you know that I hear that might be an impact of this type of CRM too, this openness and disclosure. You might see financial advisors just not catering and not willing to even accept business from low net worth uh, clients. It might be it might be harder if you're not like have a hundred thousand or five hundred thousand in net worth. It's probably going to be harder for you to find somebody like a professional uh, offering you financial advice out there because there's just not going to be the money there for the advisor to do it and they're just not going to be interested in talking so it's going to be it might be harder for lower net worth people and lower income people with lower lower amount of assets to invest to find uh, somebody to give you financial advice and that's kind of concerning too so it's going to become financial advice it's just going to be a very high level elite kind of thing and that's not cool and I think any person out there has a right to invest and a right to grow savings and earn money and you know have access to the services that they need so that's something I can see and so from that standpoint, perspective as much as you'll see financial advisors cutting off people or cutting off lower lower value clients it actually could become a boon to these this newly emerging industry of robo advisors who are catering to the lower people with lower assets lower numbers of assets to invest and uh, it could be a boon for them and so I wouldn't be surprised to see robo advisors in terms of assets under management take in more money um, and grow that their their uh, their pile of cash in that way now performance is a totally different subject and you know I've been I'm babbled all on and write about it extensively in terms of how these those type of services perform but that's a different that's a totally different conversation finally like anything when a new regulation comes in um, people always look for shortcuts and look for loopholes and workarounds. So as we speak right now, I know the financial services industry is probably looking for ways how they can get around a lot of these provisions and not have to disclose um, some of the expenses and performance and kind of muddy the waters a bit like that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. So that's that. And when it does, uh, that's where the concept of, you know, you can implement a regulation and implement a standard, but it has to be enforced. And so that's the question is how much enforcement is, of, of this is going to be done by the regulatory agencies um, about this. So that's the big question on that. So there's a lot of things, you know, it's just a little, you know, it's just a little provision that's hopefully going to, you know, this, in the spirit of it, it's going to open up transparency, make investors more aware of their costs, and also really how well their portfolios are doing. But it's just there's all kinds of things that happen that could really muddy the waters. And financial service industry is notorious for just kind of muddying the waters a bit on, on disclosure. So 
something to look out for and something to keep an eye on um, out there. But I think it's a good first step. And as I said, as an investor, I want to know how much I'm paying for things, and I want to know how my, if I'm making any money, because that's really why I'm into it. I'm not into to investing just to prop up somebody's back office to to to, to prop up a, a business. I'm here to make money, and so ultimately, this type of disclosure hopefully is going to help investors understand and answer those two fundamental questions. So we'll see how it works out, and uh, it's I think it's a good step. So that's all I got for you today. And uh, if you have any questions about this or any of the other investing topics uh, you want me to talk about, feel free to give me a shout at uh, through two ways, through my website, www.sageinvestors.ca. Just send me an email um, through the website. Or you can hit me up through Twitter. I'm on there all the time, um, commenting, observing about market movements of the day and, making, uh, and, and tweeting my own personal investing decisions, you can find me through the handle at Sage Investors, so you can direct message me through there. So that's all I got for you today. It's a lovely day out here. I think I'm going to go out and enjoy it a little bit. Um, it's another episode of Stock Talk. My name is Amon Rain of Sage Investors, and we'll catch you again another time. Cheers.